21 vices of a depraved society. The 21 vices of depraved society. Don't hang up yet. It's very practical. It's very helpful. Extremely, extremely good thing. Went for maybe 20 years of my life, maybe close to 30, without a doctor's checkup. And uh, it was uh, not a very good thing to do. Uh, it was, uh, I can't remember what happened, why I had to go in. Something was like, boy, something's off. I need to go in and see what the doctor says. And I had gone too long uh, without that. It was like, Sarah, when's the last time I went? Oh, right, that was when we were getting ready to get married. Uh, that was 20 years ago. I better go in there. Um, not a good thing to do, right? I realize that sometimes you go in the hospital and you get diseases and whatever. But it's just good to get things checked up every once in a while. Well, very practical. I think it's the same with cars. The same with cars. You need to go in occasionally and just get this checkup. Not because it's falling apart, but just because it's been five years and you need to finally check all the fluids and stuff. Uh, they give you a list of the times that you need to go in and take care of that. So they can tell you all that's wrong and charge you your mortgage for that day. Right? Um, now, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Well, I would say this. What we're going to do today is that. Okay? It's time to go in for a checkup. And it may be that you've gone 20 years without that. It may be that you've gone 10 years without that. But I would encourage you, when we go through this together over this week and maybe, maybe next week into the next week, I don't know how many weeks it's going to take, but that we be, be thorough. Right? Sometimes when you get into the, the MRI room, you're like, this feels a little constrained. I don't know if I want them looking at me this way. Uh, why do I have to stay here so long? Uh, as they examine what's wrong with me. Uh, let me just encourage you to hang on. Listen to what the doctor says. I am not the doctor. I'm just the one giving you the results. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has chosen in several passages like this, and very few are exactly like this, but in passages like this to really dig deep like an MRI. And, and let the, just let the x-ray light go right through. Uh, and so the psalmist says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the pathway of life everlasting. Right? So there are, there are times we need God's light to show us, show us where we are wrong. Show us where there's cancerous cells. Show us where there's... Right? you got some clogs here. you got to take care of. Uh, and so, by God's Spirit, we should not be... This is going to step on some toes, is what I'm saying. Uh, but all of us need to recognize that all of us uh, need to hear it. And as you hear the Spirit speak to you, uh, don't think I'm singling you out. Uh, the Holy Spirit is singling you out on each one of them. I did find it interesting as I was going through the commentaries, uh, some of these guys that I really like, they went really, you know, pages on, on the issue of homosexuality. Uh, but when we get to this one, it's like, uh, this is pretty straightforward. Like, no, you kind of dive into this one too, buddy. Right. These are very searching, very searching and very helpful for us. So don't run. Okay, don't run. Uh, let the Holy Spirit convict you and show you. And I would say this, that, that let there be light. 
as we begin to see the light in the x-ray and recognize the areas where we're falling short, then we become greater light. Do not run from the light. Let the light change you. And so we say again and again throughout really this whole series from these verses, let there be light. Let us be different in these ways. Okay, so uh, let's just, we're, I'm not going to do any review. We're going to just jump right into uh, the, the, the way the gospel changes us. The gospel changes us in these specific uh, qualities where, where we move away from those who are filled with these character traits. Okay? Now, last time we did take a minute with this, so let's just recover the kind of the general understanding of these, uh, what, what these are. There's uh, three main headings being filled with all, and then full of, and then they are. So, uh, being filled with all, full of, and they are. Those are the kind of the way that it's kind of divided in the grammar itself. Uh, but as we saw last week, there's a, um, a structure to it that is not necessarily by content, though we're going to organize it that way, but there's a structure to it that is, that is in a more of a poetic fashion. So it's harder to see that in the English, but like the first five of them all end in ia, okay? And actually... Four of the first six words, or maybe four, five of the first six words, all begin with the P. Right? So he's using alliter- alliteration and rhyming in every word. Okay? Uh, so the organization is structured. It's very structured, but not necessarily by word meaning. Okay? And so we're, we're going to structure it by word meaning in just a minute, but let's recover these. They're suggestive and not comprehensive. By that, we're, we're just not saying this is the only 21 things we need to change. But you can kind of extrapolate on these things. They're saturated, not sparse. Right? They're filled with these things. And a culture that is filled with these things is a culture that is depraved. That has gone away from God's word. Uh, they're spitefully focused on others. Spitefully focused on others. So this is when the society, as we saw last Sunday, gets dangerous because it's gone from the things that are inside as far as morality to the th- then treating others this way. Fifthly, they're systemic. This is, as we'll see, the nature of every heart. The nature of every heart. And then there are circumstances that are necessary for gospel flourishing. Okay, so if you didn't, you can watch last Sunday's message uh, to... to capture all of that, but this is just what these 21 ideas are all talking about. Uh, they are, I believe, the necessity fodder for the gospel to flourish. And so that's why this is all in the context of, I want to come to Rome to preach the gospel to you. Because a culture that's filled with these things needs the gospel. Okay? Okay, so, they're handing out a, a handout here. And uh, this is how we're going to organize this. In content, but what I wanted to do ahead of time is just give you all of these uh, attributes and let you do your own self checkup. Okay, so uh, this that I would encourage you to return to this in the weeks to come and months to come. Let this be a guide for how much light is in you and how the Lord is changing you. Okay, so if you have one, I, I hope we don't won't, don't run out. 
Uh, I think we have enough. Uh, if not, uh, we'll have more next week, or you could share one, one per family. Um, so you have, uh, let's see here, at the top, your spiritual MRI, Romans 1, 29 to 31. These are 25 facets of a spiritually depraved or disapproved society. 21 facets of a disapproved society. And the, the main idea for this is not to look down on other people, but to say, let there be light. Lord, help me to live out Your light. Let Your light shine in me. And we could have the kids sing this uh, shine all over Queens. I'm going to let it shine. That would be a good song for our kiddos. All right, let the light shine. So here's the columns in your spiritual MRI. The sin that he mentions and the verse. Okay, so on this first column, straight down, you'll see uh, unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. Okay, so that's the specific sin that he mentions in verse 29. And then you move on to the, the verse 30 and you have... Um, Slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, 31, uh, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And so what I did is I just, I just organized them into categories, okay, to, uh, what is it, five different categories? What are our categories here? One, two, three, four, six categories. Sins of corruption, just plain bad. Sins of covetousness, just plain greedy. Sins of conceit, just plain, plain proud. Sins of cruelty, just plain mean. Communication, a lot of these have to do with your mouth. Sins of communication, just plain nasty. And then sins of company, just plain caustic. Uh, these, uh, some of them are really focused on your relationships and your interpersonal relationships. So that's that second column. I just put these in categories because I, I think it will be helpful for us not to go from topic to topic to topic, but to handle this topic which are these five different parts of this rainbow, and then this topic, which are these, you know, all of this color of the rainbow, and so forth. And then what I did here, the third, the third category, is I gave a definition and, uh, and the Greek term. And I did that just so you can see maybe some of the rhyming. Uh, so you have the Greek term there, and a couple of you are learning Greek. Uh, but you have the Greek term. And then the, what's important here would be the actual definition by a professional uh, who, who knows the language. So this is Thayer. That's the italics, the italicized word. They're just putting his definition in there uh, in that third column. So this first one, adikia. Uh, but then you see that ponaria. Right? So the ia, ia, ia. Um, so adikia. Uh, there's the definition and then the bullet points there are just me kind of giving you a little bit of explanation of what you would find if you looked at the other times that occurred in the Bible. If you did a, your own word study, you would uh, get some nuance to what that word means. So it would be helpful for you as you do your, your spiritual MRI on yourself. Uh, because this is not for husbands to inspect their wives or their wives to their husbands or the parents to the kids or the kids to the parents or you to the person over there. Right. Let's do it inwards first. Let's take all the beams out of our own eyes and then maybe you can help someone else. Okay, but let's inspect ourselves first so that we can see clearly to help other people. Okay, so does that make sense? Good.
makes sense to one of us. Thank you, Carmen. All right. All right. Any, any questions? Okay. Dominic, you have a question or does it make sense? No, you need questions. Yes. The just plain. Oh, yes. And we will go through that as we go along. Uh, sins of corruption, just plain bad. Sins of covetous, just plain greedy. Sins of conceit, just plain proud. Sins of cruelty, just plain mean. Sins of communication, just plain nasty. Sins of company, just plain caustic. Yeah. I wanted to alliterate it because, uh, because Paul's doing that. And actually, it's not Paul. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I thought it would be good to, to do that. All right, let's start off here with sins of corruption, just plain bad. All right, so there are five, uh, five synonyms for, for just plain bad, just plain wicked, evil. There's five of these synonyms, and let me just say, this is the, the easiest column. You, you'll feel okay going through this column, maybe. You know, all of us will be convicted, but after this column, it's going to get really squirmy, okay? So... We're starting off easy. Uh, all right. As you're born again, these types of things, the new nature becomes something that's the old man. And yet we need to be careful because they can creep into our lives. So we need to say with each of these, let there be light. And yet also I, I think the, there's a nuance here that brings out for us as Christians living the new nature, be careful. Because this is a society that has been filled with this. You actually need to recognize that this will be around you in your apartment building uh, and in your office cubicle, okay? So let's look at these. Uh, we're just going to look at these, right, verses 29, 30, and 31. We're going to get through a few of them today. I pray 10 of them. Uh, we'll be able to do 10 of them here in the next 15, 20 minutes, and, and then we'll save the rest of them for next, next week. Sins of corruption, just plain bad. Sins of corruption, just plain bad. Uh, so it's verse 29. Uh, first of all, unrighteousness. Uh, this would be the first of the, all the words, and I think it, it is a good way to begin. As I mentioned before, uh, four of the first five words begin with P. Um, being filled with begins with a P, as well as uh, these attributes of someone who is depraved. And we're going to keep returning to that. This is talking about a depraved mind. Someone who is... Um, no longer acceptable in their moral judgment is the idea behind the text. So the first word is that they're unrighteous. Unrighteous. A deed violating law and justice. Acts of unrighteous. Acts of unrighteousness. And I just put there that it's, it really fits with the theme of Romans. And that's why we're starting that way. I think that's why Paul starts with this one as the first one. Uh, it is unrighteousness, which would be the opposite of what? Righteous. Righteous. Righteous is meeting my obligations. Uh, meeting the obligations, so you have all these different standards. There is an obligation you have to the IRS. There's an obligation that you have to the traffic police that mark the meters. There's an obligation that you have to your family, to your church, to New York State, to the federal government. There's all these different obligations that we have based on where we're, where we're living. Um, and so I have, we have an obligation to our landlord to be out at a certain time. And so as we're, we're righteous, we try to keep these obligations. Now the whole point of this book of Romans is what? You can meet all the obligations before God by what? By faith. 
believing in the gospel, what Jesus does is he takes his righteous standing and makes sure you meet all the obligations you have before the Father because all of us fall short of the glory of God. But as he declares us to be right with God, he demands his children to continue to walk out that righteousness. As Christ is in you, he desires you to live out the life of Christ's likeness. So the life of Christ is not one that ignores the right, the right obligations, but continues to live them out. It's a living out progressively what is true of me positionally. Meaning, objectively, I am right with God through Jesus Christ. That will never change because of Jesus. I will never be more loved or less loved by God because of Jesus. And yet, my heart is to mirror the life of Jesus because he has saved me. And so, am I meeting my obligations? Am I fulfilling God's desires in my life? Am I following Jesus in his right rules? The rules that he set up to live a life, again, the fence that he's designed to enjoy life. Not to ruin my life, but to enjoy life. So the gospel changes us to be able to live this out, to be able to meet my obligations, to be able to consistently live, as as we'll see, some of the Ten Commandments here. Um, It's not that I have to to be right with God. I do it because I love God because he's made me right with him. And so there's a new motivation to obey, the motivation of love. And so I say, let there be light. Let there be light. Let the gospel change us to live the light of Christ. So that's why the whole theme is let the gospel come in so that we could be declared right with God, that we would begin to live the way we've been declared. And that's the whole theme of this book. Okay, move uh, on to the second one here. I believe we're going to. That is not, oh, there we go, okay. There we go. Unrighteous. I don't know why it's, it may not have done the rest of them. So you'll have to write on your notes, I'm sorry. Uh, it must not have updated. Well, that's okay. I don't think I have a whole lot here that... Uh... Our, uh, our technology is, is enjoying making a mess of this right now. Okay, let me just get back to the... Uh, uh, get back to, to this. And you can, you can follow along in your notes, okay? The second one here is wickedness. So we go from unrighteousness to wickedness. Uh, this is, again, just, just plain bad. Uh, wicked, and, and you see the definition there, depravity, iniquity. Uh, I found that interesting that the religious leaders were wicked in how they plotted Jesus' death. And so often this came up. And this was astounding. In a lot of these examples, there were religious people who were, who were committing these actions. Those are the Gentiles. It was the religious people. Um, and so we need to be careful that this is not named among us. It's used to describe the rulers of this present darkness, these rulers of wickedness. All right, so the rulers of darkness, the demonic realms would be wicked. 
And so as Peter preaches uh, there at Pentecost, he says that God calls all of us to repent of our wickedness, uh, the, the plotting evil, Uh, The further our society gets away from God, the more dangerous it becomes because people plot against God's purposes and they desire to establish wickedness as the rule of law. And that's what you had in the first century. Um, So be careful. Be careful for wicked. Be careful giving out your credit card to someone on the street who's trying to help the animals. Because there are wicked people. Not everybody's going to be just upright with you. There are people who are actually wicked. And then thirdly, they actually become this bad. They become haters of God. Haters of God. Uh, You see that in verse 30. Verse 30, uh, we move on to the next main point here of of, uh, under this category of the sin of corruption. They they move on to hate God. They're a God-hater. Uh, as Thayer says, hateful of God, exceptionally impious and wicked. And it's just that in the right, just hater of God. So it's not only God's principles and God's people, they lash out against God himself. Um, suppressing the truth, God is drawing them, God is convicting them, and instead of repenting and turning to God, they recognize they'll be accountable to this being that reveals himself to them. And so they hate that, and they reject the idea of being held accountable. Okay, so we would say, let there be light. Let there be light. In a society that hates God, how can we be light? What's the opposite of hating God? Love God. Love the Shema, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. In each of these cases, we recognize if we want to make a difference in our culture, we just need to do an MRI and say, in what way do I act, the way I act, the way I think, the way I live my life, does it demonstrate that I'm loving God? Would anyone see me and say, that person is someone who is a lover of God? All right, so let there be light, brothers and sisters. May it be clear that we are those who choose... That's not talking about necessarily our feelings that choose to live in such a way that demonstrate that God is important to me, that I'm making choices that show that God is more important to me than my choices and my desires. God comes first place in my life. I'm living for him. I love him. Number four, inventors of evil. We move from haters of God to inventors of evil. Haters of God, inventors of evil. This is in verse 30. Haters of God, inventors of evil. What will we do without inventors? They come up with so many helpful tools. Thomas Edison is amazing. Recorded 1,093 patents for inventions. 4,000 in his notebooks. But over 1,093 patents. We know the key inventions, the light bulb, recorded sound, motion pictures, batteries. We use these today. This guy was awesome with inventions. Our society does this with a mess of evil things. How can we think of new ways to pursue our desires? The internet, gadgets, Apps on our phones, 
entertainments all giving us different ways to indulge the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Be careful not to be someone who is an inventor of evil or succumbing to all the new ways to give ourselves over to our lusts and our wicked desires. It's the sign of a depraved generation. Again, it's a sign of a nighttime culture. And so, how do we turn the lights on there? Instead of being an inventor of evil, what do we do? Come on, this is easy. Inventor of good, right? Isn't it also like you have the version Bible app? Use these inventions for good. Don't scrap it all. Use it for Christ. I love that. I love that. I love modern technology. Well, maybe not as much today. But the ability to use what God has given us and invention to, for good, we can stay up late. All right, before this, before lights, you'd have to just go to bed and get up early. Like, that's why we still do daylight savings time. But now we have lights. We can actually stay up late and do productive things. We can use for good. These be an inventor of good things. And also not allow the inventions of evil to affect us. And as you do that, you will be light. Be light. Without understanding, number five, verse 31. So you think of the sin of corruption, just plain bad, without understanding. The idea there is unintelligent, right? There's a, a, a mental deficiency there. But as you look up the different references, you find, and especially in this context, it's without, with, without the knowledge of the gospel and what is required of me. There's a spiritual blindness, a spiritual deficiency of the things of God. And so you see Jesus a couple times use this of the disciples. He gets frustrated with his disciples. How long am I going to be with you guys? He says that. And, and a couple times it's this. You, you, you're not catching spiritual things. You're without understanding. Are you too without understanding, he says. This is when he describes that all evil, right, as everyone else is saying, okay, eating bad things is going to make you ungodly. He says, no, it's not what you put inside your mouth. It's what's come out. It's the heart that makes you godly or ungodly. It's not what you put in. It's what comes out. Don't you understand these things? Are you still without understanding? Are you not able to reason spiritually? And this has really been the big part of the context that he's been talking about. A culture that rejects the idea of God as clearly revealed. Stop thinking correctly about their morals. Their compass becomes broken. You have to start with the understanding that there is a God. But if you reject the idea of God, even though it's so clear, it's so clear. If you reject the idea of God, it's a downgrade into a depraved mind. Right? You give yourself to immorality. You First you give yourself to idolatry, then you give yourself to idolatry, then you give yourself to this lack of morality at all. There's no way. It's a disapproved functioning. You can't think correctly about what's right and wrong. And so that's the whole flow of thought to this point. Unintelligent when it comes to understanding right and wrong. And so verse 22, you see in your Bibles there, Romans 1, 22, professing themselves to be what? Wise. 
they become fools. So a lot of professors out there with a lot of no, uh, letters after their name, don't be intimidated. A lot of folks that profess themselves to be wise because they reject the beginning thing that there is a God who's made all of us, they become fools. That's so foolish, the conclusions you come to when you reject that. And again, it's the sign of a depraved mind. The lights are out. It's nighttime inside there. Now, the gospel turns the light on. I start seeing things God's way. I have a paradigm shift. The, the narrative changes from creation fall to setting a stage throughout the Old Testament for which Messiah would come to bring me right with God through Jesus Christ. And now that's the way I understand everything. And those around me who are being cruel, I understand that. And I try to bring them to Christ. I don't have to beat them over the head and legislate morality. That can be helpful. But I want their heart to change through the gospel. Okay? So, how do we do this? How do we let the light shine here? How do we keep on, I will say this, renewing our minds? Making our mind think correctly about God and his thoughts. What do we do? How do you do let the light shine? You're in the word every day. You're letting God's spirit transform you into the image of Christ from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. And you're changing. So let there be light. Let God, through his spirit, work in your heart. If this week you have not been in the word at all, let this MRI just demonstrate that. Other Whoa! You started really thinking incorrectly here because you've had very little mind renewal through God's spirit and his word. This is how this happens. The seed of the gospel changes us, but we got to let the word continue to educate us to grow in the faith. That's the sins of corruption, right? We have five of those, sins of corruption. Now, let's move on to sins of I think we'll just be able to get through this. Uh, sins of covetousness. Sins of covetousness. Let me see here. Do you have... Uh, do we, did we run out of worship guides or are we okay with worship guides? We're out of worship guides as well. Okay. So, whoever prints those, print about 15 more next time. All right? No more of that. I print them, so I'm going to get on myself. That's my fault. Sorry about that. Okay, so sins of covetousness, just plain greedy. Sins of covetousness, just plain greedy. As a bad behavior, a disposition to have more than one share. Greed, covetousness, avarice. I told you it'd get worse. <laughs> oh boy. I just, it's, I'm just amazed how the Holy Spirit puts texts in Romans that are so applicable to us as a society, as a church. All right, what was Friday and what is Monday? Friday was Black Friday. Monday is, I think Monday's the internet one, right? Cyber Monday. Um, yeah, the Lord knew that. <laughs> um, I do think this is, as we look back on our lives from heaven as Western Christians, this will be the one that we would say, wow, how did we miss that? How did we set up whole systems that told us to live a totally different way than Jesus said? Um, this does make it on the list of many of the sins of the Bible. It's not an unusual one. 
Uh, and again, I think it finds its, its, itself in the heart of the Western world. And again, this is uh, everybody examine yourself because no one knows your heart. You have to examine yourself. Paul says this is a mark of a false teacher, uh, but also he marks himself as an example of not exhibiting this. The desire to have, the desire to have more and more and more. Experts say that Friday, this Black Friday, more was spent on online spending uh, than the previous year by billions. It was like almost $10 billion spent online. Online, right? We couldn't even go near a mall without a traffic jam in person. Now, I realize there's a lot of good things you should buy, right? And you giving gifts is great. Um, so, so we examine our own hearts, right? right. Am, I, am I just building up stuff? Or the opposite may be true. Maybe you're, you're greedy and you're just stuffing it in your mattress. You're not there Black Friday because you have to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing it into your mattress. Either way would be this word. Um, it would be so good for each of us, and I, I hope our church can, can grow to the point where we can, we can do this um, each year to do a mission trip or at least every other year to recognize, and you can do that in the city, I realize, but it's good to go to a different culture where everyone is living without or in just a much more simple way and recognize, wait, how are they happy? How are they more happy than our culture? Probably because the stuff and stuffing the stuff doesn't make you happy. You cannot live for God and mammon. You can't live for that. It's not wrong to have it. God blessed Abraham with it. God blessed Job with it, took it away and gave it all back. But you can't live for that. You've got to live for God. Because it's never enough. It's a horrible idol. Stuff. Money. Mammon. It's Horrible idol. Rockefeller had 1% of this nation's wealth. One point was asked, how much is enough? And what do you say? Just a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, maybe 2%. Um, that, that is the spirit. That's the spirit of our age. And listen, it's the sign of a depraved mind. A mind that lives for mammon is a sign of a depraved mind. Continuing to stuff more, 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 more. Living for physical gain rather than spiritual gain. Right. So what is light then? Let there be light. How do we change our culture? How do we live different from our culture? Instead of stuffing in our mattress, what do we do? Instead of being people that would be noticed for their greed and their maybe being a miser, what do they do? Give! Oh, what a, and, and I do think Christianity has this perspective in one sense. They would be known for being a given society, giving society. And the Lord blesses a giver. The more you give, the more he gives back. Another way would be light would be not to, would, would be not to steal. Right? Don't steal, but give, the Bible says. Put off the old, put on the new. And I really focus on this, and I try, by God's grace, to do this with the church budget. Right? When our church to get just this much savings, and, and if it's any more, it's got to be in a fund that's ready to spend on the glory of God. Right, we're not going to have years worth of, no way, no way. I mean, I think it's wise to have this much, right? Maybe I think the finance team said two or three months. But beyond that, people are dying going to hell. Right, the Spirit says, 
to be wise spenders of God's money. It's his. It's all his. It's dirt other than that. It's all his. And so this should be reflected even in our church budget, reflected in our own lives. The second one here, sins of covetousness. What is that one? Just plain greedy. Greedy, and then the seventh, I think this is the seventh total, we get to envious. Envious, verse 29. Envy is another sin. This is another one, interesting thing because it's what motivated the Pharisees to portray Jesus. So it's not just covetousness of stuff and covetousness of money and mammon. right? We may go there quickly, but it's also covetousness of what other people have as far as positions other people's success. It was interesting, Collins used the illustration this morning of a study where, what was it, like people were given an opportunity to, to have a job of making $200,000, no, $100,000 if all their colleagues made $200,000 or make $50,000 if all their colleagues made $25,000. I was like, 50% chose the half of that, the salary if others around them made less. It's, it's the looking down on others as far as wanting more than everyone else. This is the 10th commandment. It's not just my, my possessions, it's wanting my neighbor's donkey. Right? Or house, right? or lands, or their situation, or their relationships. Right? The heart that is changed looks at that person in green pastures and says, Praise God! That's awesome! Look at what God has blessed them with. That's a new creation. That's a new creation is actually be able, able to see Naboth and his vineyard and say God has blessed them with those grapes. Praise God for that. What does envy do? I got to have that. You have so much. I got to have that. He's able to look away from Bathsheba. No, what does envy do? I got to have that. Steal the one little sheep. And that is not the gospel. That is a sign of a depraved mind. And so I say these things sneak so quickly that the 10th commandment is one of the ones that's broken so often by uh, professing believers. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, their animals, or anything that's your neighbor's. And so instead of envying and coveting what others have what do we do we're thankful let there be light i'm thankful for what this person has and this is not contrived or put on i'm so happy that you got that promotion whoa instead of cutting them down and trying to get the promotion yourself you're happy that they have that promotion that's that is the heart of jesus and those, Peter, James, and John, have to turn from the sons of thunder who want to be on the right hand and the left hand to those who are happy with another promotion. Okay, here we... All right, I'm going to take one more, okay? One more, and then we'll need to be done. Um, I'm not going to do all of them, but let's just do, we have time for one more, sins of conceit. I wanted to do all ten, but we're only going to get to eight. Uh, sins of conceit, just plain proud. Sins of conceit, just plain proud. Uh, the first one is insolent. Uh, verse 30, uh, the translated uh, conceit. Uh, verse 30, 
an insolent man, one who's uplifted with, with pride, uh, insulting, heaps up insulting language upon others, or does them some shameful act or wrong, thinking proudly about themselves. What's interesting, again, is this is used in a religious context. Paul uses this to describe himself as a Pharisee, his religious life before Christ, as he was wanting to harm others by persecuting them in their faith. Very, very zealous religiously. And so he would be puffed up in his pride and actually put others down. Put others down. This is... Uh, antagonistic to the gospel. This is Nebuchadnezzar. As he, it's just a fascinating story as he uh, is told the dream that he is the head of gold in chapter 2 of Daniel. And then he speaks boastful things and he sets up his own statue and says, everybody worship me. I am God. What a horrible thing. And God sets him on his face and humbles him. It's often the people with the least game that do the most trash talking. Let your actions speak for you through God, through his spirit. God resists the proud and gives what? Grace to the humble. So let me close this way. God is so good. Uh, He is the, uh, the beautiful thing is that God is the opposite of all of these. God is not the miser. What does he do? He gives to us his only begotten son. God is not wicked. He is gracious. He is the one who is righteous in every way, totally just, and upholds his just demands. God is good. And so just as my children look a little bit like me and act a little bit like me and I look a little like my dad and act a little like dad, we need to look so much like our father in heaven. Why? So they'll see our good works and glorify our Father. Say, praise God. Glory. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I realize these are, there are eight of these. Uh, so we've looked at several of them. But I know that as we look through this, this MRI, there are things that the Spirit will point out. And I just want to encourage you not to run from them. Say, oh, search me, oh God. Know my heart. And uh, I, I don't hide back anything from you. I come completely open before you. Let him search you. Change. Praise him for who he is. And by God's grace, repent and believe the gospel to forgive and believe the gospel to change. We'll be standing at the back for just a moment. If you'd like to pray with someone, and in a moment we'll sing a song together. In closing prayer.